isn't it wonderful to be a part of a family? And I'm so glad for the family that we are a part of right here. Um, just a group of people who truly do love each other, who encourage one another, who embrace one another when things are tough, who try to build each other up. That's so important. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue on this morning. We've been walking through our journey of Ephesians. Last week, we, we delved into Ephesians chapter 3, and we just flew through that. This morning, I'm probably going to do the same with Ephesians chapter 4, um, if the Lord wills and gives me the um, wisdom to flow through that. <laughs> If we only get the three verses, I'm okay with that too. I want to be truly obedient to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dre, it is so good to see you this morning. Come on. You, you don't have a song in your heart, do you? Yes. We love, love Dre. We, Dre was our worship leader for a season, and we are so thankful that God is using him in different ways, and, and so thankful that you've chosen to join us this morning. Amen. You're, you know your family, right? Your family right here. Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, says, I, there, and I'm using the New King James Version, um, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Man, what, what powerful words. When uh, Josh told Dixie, I, I told him, I said, I'm going to be going through chapter 4. And Josh told Dixie, he said, you might as well pull up chapter 3 too. They all go together. And we can remember that at the beginning of chapter 3, Paul said, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now we understand that Paul made a decision to appeal to Rome and therefore he was imprisoned, but he was imprisoned by Rome. But Paul understood that his imprisonment was not for Rome. It was his imprisonment was a voluntary imprisonment to Jesus Christ. Because he understood his devotion. And when it says, I, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, he was saying, I recognize Jesus Christ as my Messiah. And therefore, I am a prisoner. I am captivated by Jesus Christ. I am captive, held captive by the love of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then he goes into this chapter and says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And when I look at this word Lord, it is kurios, which means master. In other words, he's saying, not only is Jesus my Savior, not only is he the Messiah, the one who has come, the anointed one who has come to redeem all mankind, but he is also my master, and therefore I am captivated and surrendered and, and in tune with him, and therefore I am voluntarily in prison to the Lord. Come on, somebody. And then he says this. I encourage you or beseech you to walk worthy of the calling by which you were called. Man, 
in all the words of this passage, those are powerful to think that we've, the word called past tense, when we look back at these previous three chapters and what I just quoted of what God has done for us and how he has called us. How many understand you've been called to be a part of the family of God? You've been called to be a part of God's specific plan. You've been adopted into the family of God. You You have an inheritance with God. I hear the Lord calling. <laughs> Sorry. It sounded like coming from the stage. It's like, oh Lord. <laughs> so to think that God has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, he's called us to be a part of his family. And, 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 and we went over just a few moments ago of all that he has invested in us. And it says, walk worthy of the calling. Now, first of all, how many understand that, that so many times we preachers, I'm guilty, that we, all, we focus on the walk. We focus on, you better do this, you got to do that, you, you know, don't we? We do that. I'm guilty. But in reality is, is you can't do the walk unless you learn how to sit. And see, Watchman Nee kind of dissects Ephesians in, three, in two different or three different ways. He says the sit, the walk, and the stand. Another one uh, kind of puts it in a different way, but puts the, the wealth, the walk, and the warfare. And so in this section, we're talking about the walk. But really, until we grasp a hold of the wealth that God has given us to be able to walk, we can't walk. Too many times we find ourselves religiously trying to fulfill a plan that God's laid before us without the love and favor and the positioning that God has brought us to. We sometimes get into a rush like Martha who is out busy doing the labor of the kingdom, but yet Jesus said, said, I would rather you be a Mary who's sitting at my feet, who's chosen the better thing and and to sit in my presence. Because until you sit in his presence and hear his voice and allow him to speak into you, we can't fulfill the next phase of that. How many times have you gotten discouraged in your walk with God because you haven't felt his presence with you? Right? How many times have we been on this journey and we've gotten depressed and frustrated because we didn't feel like we were getting anywhere and, and, and all along we're, we're, we're blaming God. God, if you would do this. God, if you would do that. But yet we've not taken time to spend in his word and fast and pray and really allow God to speak truth in us so that we can be able to move forward in his plan. So the word worthy literally means substantial heaviness or weight. In other words, we are to recognize the weight of the investment that Christ has made in us in order for us to be able to walk according to his plan. Amen? Praise the Lord. (laughs) I encourage you to walk worthy 
of the calling. But then it goes on and says how we walk. With all lowliness, this is verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ooh, that's a mouthful. So, what you're telling me, Lord, is that for me to be able to walk this out, I've got to walk in humility and gentleness. Now, we have to grab a hold of understanding the, the meaning of lowliness. Because, look, why was Satan cast out as the lead worshiper of heaven? Pride. Humility allows us to recognize our position in front of an amazing God. Pride causes contention. It keeps, it keeps problems going. Pride comes before a fall. The Bible says that he gives grace to the humble, right? A humble and a contrite heart, he will not easily turn aside, right? So in other words, it's humility that as we walk in humility, we walk in the recognition that he is God. Now, when we realize the, the culture context of this scripture, humility is not something that they were trying to attain in those days. This was not a cultural privilege that they had. They, they were trying to move themselves up into literally becoming deity in that time. And that's why Jesus was counterculture because he came in and though he had the ability to be above everything, he chose to humble himself to be a human being like you. He left the throne room of God to be human like us. Not even human, but then even to be a servant. Not just a servant, but one who was willing to sacrifice on the cross of Calvary to die a sinner's death so that you and I could have access to the throne of God. Amen. So even Paul in the previous chapter in verse three, in chapter three, verse eight, Paul said, I'm the worst of all of the saints. I'm the least. Because he recognized. That it is in humility, it is in humbleness that we're able to walk out the worthiness of the calling of God. It's not by our arrogance, it's not by our own authority and our puffed, up, puff up, puffed upness or our receiving glory for ourselves. It's only as we walk in His glory, as we walk in honoring and magnifying His name that we're able to be able to fulfill the plan. Humbleness. Then it uses the word meekness or gentleness. Now, this word is a word that's often misunderstood. It doesn't mean that we're a floor mat right. to be trampled upon. Someone once said it is strength, right, under control. It literally gives the image, it gives the image of a great animal who has all kinds of power but has been tamed. Come on. In other words, 
As we walk this walk out, we recognize that we are to be humble before him, but we also recognize that we are to tame the power and energy that he has given us for his glory, right? We might have authority. It's kind of like authority, but under the covering of authority. You heard me say recently that uh, that you can't be in authority unless you're under authority. And when we recognize that Jesus Christ is the ultimate authority, it is that authority that we have under his authority being tamed and led by the Lord who is our master and our king. Amen? Amen. So therefore, for me to walk out this walk worthy of the calling of God, I have to walk with all humility, all, so that we're all, all gentleness with long suffering. I don't like that word. You know, I think it's a misunderstood word. What really is being stated is like a warrior word. It's a word that that help. It's like saying. I recognize that I'm going to win this battle and I am convinced enough not to give up. Man, if we had that same tenacity, zeal, and excitement for every person that we come in contact with to say, you know what? They might turn me away today, but I'm going to win. Right? Man, they might give me attitude today, but I'm coming back. Right? They might, have, they might have kicked and screamed a little bit today because I've given them truth. But guess what? I'm not giving up. Just because they have turned me away and put their hands up in my face doesn't mean I'm giving up. It means I'm going to try that much harder because I know that it is in God's plan for all to come to repentance. And I'm believing that they're going to come to repentance in Jesus' name. I love them so much that I'm not giving up on them. Come on, right? When we walk worthy of the calling, we'll walk in humility. We'll recognize that we once was one of those, right? And therefore, we walk in humility and in the authority of God under his authority. And we walk with long suffering, not willing to give up on anybody because somebody didn't give up on me. Come on, somebody. Bearing with one another, it says. Bearing with one another. The word bearing means to endure. Oh, boy, right? To endure, but it also gives the essence of to build up or to hold up. How many times have you been weak and you just need somebody to come alongside you to hold you up? Amen? Well, the essence of bearing with one another, the Bible says this way, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, right? And so in bearing with one another, we come alongside each other and we hold each other up. When things aren't going well at the house, we go beside somebody and we hold them up. When we fail in our morality, it doesn't mean we kick a brother while he's down. It means we come alongside them and we hold them up. Come on, somebody. How many need somebody to hold you up sometimes? Amen. Amen. And so in walking worthy, we walk in humility. We walk in meekness or gentleness. We, we walk with long-suffering, bearing up one another in love. Now, this is not in lust. 
There's four different words for love, and we understand the eros, the phileo, the storge. It is not one of those types of love. It's not brotherly love or, or um, sexual love or, or just familiar love. It is a love that only Christ Jesus can give to us. It is an agape love, right? Look, we can walk along with a family member sometimes, but how many of families get cross-sided sometimes? Families get all twisted sometimes. I mean, it drives, it drives me insane to hear somebody say, I haven't talked to this family member in two years because they got upset with me one time. I'm like, what? Wow. Why would we let anything, anything get in between relationships? And usually it's so simplistic, so heart-wrenching, so little and petty. Come on. Happens in the church too sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. But if you endure, if you, as this word says, goes on and says, endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That word endeavor literally means diligent, to be diligent. Now, when I think of what it means, it says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit literally is the next three verses because the next three verses says there is one body, one Spirit, just, come on, right? Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Amen. So therefore, if we are allowing things to divide and bring division, then we are multiple-bodied. We are multiple-headed. We are claiming that there's multiple spirits. And so therefore, y'all got quiet then. So therefore, we must endeavor, we must with all diligence, everything within us, strive to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When I think of the bond, it literally is a word that describes ligaments. How many know that we've got a lot of moving parts, right? Some of y'all's parts don't move as good as they used to. Come on. Right? And, and, and he's saying that it's like ligaments together in moving parts. That bond it makes us flexible. That bond helps us to cushion the blows of life. That bond gives us the peace that passes understanding. This is another way that it was put in the Word of God. It says, live at peace with all. It didn't say some. It didn't just say, it didn't just say, Get along with them people in church. Come on. Live at peace with all mankind as it pertains to you. Now, look, we can't control what everybody does. And, and the Word of God tells us not to provoke, <laughs> to wrath. Ooh, that's a good word. Mm, I'm preaching better than y'all amen right now. So if we're not to provoke them to wrath and we are to do our best 
diligently endeavor to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, then we are to do everything in our ability to make sure there is peace in the midst. That's good right there. I might get through this chapter today. Wow. I mean, this is a display. This chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, is literally a display of the unity of the Spirit of God. To see all of that in one. How many understand that we're one body? Isn't that great? Whether we're at the church down the street, the church across town, or the church in Honduras, or the church in China, no matter where we are, we are one body. It's amazing to me to think that one day some people think they're going to get to heaven and say, I told you I was right. Huh? We're more worried about being right than to be unified. We're more worried about having one leg, leg up on some other church with our, with our doctrine, so to speak. But yet there's just one doctrine. There's just one word. And therefore, our goal in life is to endeavor to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond with all its flexibilities and all its movability in peace. Amen? Come on, Jesus. Give us strength. Give us wisdom. You know, what, what does the word unity mean? Because really, for the bond of the unity, unity means oneness. And it's amazing that we can be oneness because there's one body, because there's one spirit, because there's one hope of your calling, because there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father, all or one. Now, Paul gets excited and tells you that, yes, there's one, but in this one, but each, now we get this each stuff, but to each one was given grace. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every one of you, each, say each, each. Look to your neighbor, says that includes you. Each one of you was given a grace gift to use as a part of the walk to maintain the unity of the body of Christ. Each. Now, I don't know how you use that gift. Some of you I do because I see you often using your gift. But the reality is, is that are we using the gracious gift that God has given us to build the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Because every one of us has been given a gift Everyone, not just some, not just part, but everyone has been given a gift. Now we can get into the next few scriptures because Paul then quotes Psalms 98 and he, and he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to mankind. And we can decipher what that looks like, the next couple of verses of how he descended and how he ascended 
Uh, some would say that uh, his dissension was from heaven because he did. You know, Paul talks about being taken up to the third heaven, right? And, and so we would probably consider the first heaven uh, the Areas where the birds fly and the planes go. And the second heaven would be the universe, the galaxies, and all that's there. But then there's the third heaven, and this is the dwelling place of God. And, and in the dwelling place of God, I don't, I don't look at it as above those things as far as a, a spacious place to be. But I look at that as having dominion over those places. And therefore, the third heaven can be right here beside me because he says, as it is in heaven, so shall it be here on earth, right? So we walk in a third heaven walk. Come on, somebody. We can experience heaven right here, the power of God manifesting in this place, bringing healing, bringing life, bringing transformation. It is up to us. Are we willing to submit ourselves to God and walk in the unity of the Holy Spirit that we may dwell in the seating places of the heavenlies that God has seated us with Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. Amen? That's all right. Give him praise. Some would say that this would be his dissension into Hades. We understand that in those days, uh, according to Hebrews, that those had fulfilled their calling without receiving the promise, that there was a division in Hades. There was the place of torment. There was the place of waiting. And when Jesus, when he was uh, crucified on the cross, he looked over at the person beside him and said, this day you will be with me in paradise. And what he was saying was, I'm going to descend down and I'm going to break the chasm that's in the Hades place, and I'm, I'm going to come and fulfill Isaiah chapter 61. I'm going to come and set the captives free. I'm going to come and preach freedom and liberty to those who have been bound. I'm going to set them free. I'm going to show them the hope of glory that they've been waiting on for thousands of years so that they can also be in the heavenly places with everyone that comes after me. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. No longer bound. No longer sitting and waiting, no longer looking for the opportunity and the day, but that day they joined Christ Jesus in the glorious heavenlies. Come on, somebody. Woo. In a minute, I'm going to preach. Give me a second. But he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto mankind. He gave gifts unto every single one of us. And then in verse 11... It says, and he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Sometimes I think people get called up in the offices. How many understand that there's various gifts? We can look at Romans chapter 12 and we see gifts that the Father gave us. We can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we can see gifts that the Spirit gave us. But these are distinct gifts that were given to us by Christ Jesus. I, I choose to look at them not only as gifts but also offices within the body of Christ. And, and, and I know that there's apostolic movements, and too many times in apostolic movements, they want to look at the fivefold ministry as if there was one larger than the rest of them. They want to look at who's the apostle around here, as if the apostle is any greater than the pastor, teacher, evangelist, or prophet, right? And, and, and I remember having been an overseer in Honduras and 
dealing with a few pastors who begin to follow the movement of the apostolic faith. And don't get me wrong, we are apostolic, right? In the sense that we follow the Word of God. But there was one who's, who was leaving the church of God and says, uh, and might be of my doing, but anyway, he, he felt like he was being constrained because he was starting to tell all of his people, hey, you call me daddy, and you call her mama. And it got a little weird. And then I asked him, I said, well, who's the leader of your apostolic movement? And he said, well, we're trying to decide which one's going to be the leader. I'm thinking, that's because every one of you think you're the leader. Every one of you have positioned yourself to be above everybody else. And we don't look at the fivefold ministry as one greater, one smaller, and in between. We look at the fivefold ministry as a unified effort to build the church, Amen. to maintain the unity of the body. Amen. Now, according to Larry Stockstill, when we look at one of his books that he read, he says each office offers a distinct attribute in the process of equipping the body. Yeah. I will say that if there are deficiencies of the fivefold ministry amongst the body, then we have deficiency as the whole. But I'm thankful that I can walk around here and I don't uh, hear people saying, well, I'm apostle this or I'm prophet this. Because it's not for you to, you might want to identify the gifting that God has given you, but it's not for you to just call yourself something. It's better to be walking in humility and humbleness before God and recognize as the body that you have a gift to be used in the body of Christ to edify the body, not to dominate the body. Even Jesus told the disciples, he said, you're not to lord over anybody like the Gentiles do. In other words, we're not to lord anybody. That's why Paul said in, in chapter 3, verse 8, I'm the least of everybody because we're all on the same page. I might be called an apostle, but I'm just a ser fellow servant in the kingdom of God. I'm going to use my gifting, but I'm not going to uh, lord it over you as if I'm anything better than you. I pray that I never get into a place where I feel like i got to be in front of everybody. You, know, you don't even know, guys. This is my least favorite moment of pastoring. I'd rather push somebody else up there and say, man, you, you guys are amazing. You guys, you guys sing. You guys uh, open the service. You guys do this. I go to meetings and I'm quote unquote the district overseer I don't even know what that means anymore brother Garrity and nothing and I go into I've had a few of those moments the last few weeks to have to go into situations in churches and and, and well the district overseer here. He's, he's got a word to say I'm thinking I, I don't need that position I don't need a position I'm not looking for position I'm not looking for names and titles I just want to serve God I just want to make sure that everyone is being equipped for the body of Christ. 
And he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors of teaching. And it goes on in verse 12. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, right? Well, the word equipping literally means to fit together. The, the idea is if you have a bone that is broken, you know how they go in and reset the bone? They'll reset the bone. And so the idea is that it is these giftings that are to come in and reset your bone so that you can begin to grow once again effectively and efficiently. How many know that when there's a break or a tear that you begin to lose strength in your muscles? Come on. Some of y'all's had a few of those, right? And it's not until that thing is reset that you are able to then begin to once again have the correct flow of God, if you will, blood in your system to be able to begin to heal properly. So therefore he has given these gifts or these offices for the equipping of the saints to help us in the equipping, training, making perfect or I don't like to use the word perfect because some of y'all get all twisted thinking you've got to be perfect. How about mature? Mature, making fully qualified for service. For what? For the working of ministry. For the edifying of the body. The word edify means to build up. Can I help you understand something because we're going to get into the next few verses and it's dealing with maturity and, and Paul recognizes there's different maturity levels in the body of Christ but those who are mature will build up and not tear down those in the body are looking for avenues to build up and not avenues to tear down. If our words, whether it be gossip, even if it's truth, well, I'm just telling the truth. Even if it's truth, if your words are spoken for the purpose of defamation and bringing down, then it's not the building up of the body of Christ. Maturity builds up because we've been given the purpose of building the body of Christ, endeavoring to keep the unity. And it goes on and says, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect, let me, let me put another word there, mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mature. Mm. It, it gives you an understanding of mature. Let me, let me go back. I'm going to underline the word teal. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to underline, draw circles around, write in different colors. But the word teal, you know, there's a whole lot of people who have said, well, you know, the gifts were for the times of the apostles. The gifts have stopped where tongues will cease, where knowledge will cease. They'll use that scripture, and I'm thinking, well, knowledge might have ceased in a few of these people. 
But the reality is, is these gifts were given to us till, until we reach the unity of the faith to the measure of the fullness of Christ Jesus till we become a mature man and woman of God. Now, I will have to admit, we're not all mature yet. I will regretfully admit that we're not all unified yet. We still have things that we're working on. We still have things. I have things that I'm still working on. I have things that I'm still asking God to help me with, doing my very best to endeavor to keep the unity of the body. But it shows us what the immature look like in the next verse. And it calls them, you should, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro by, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceit, deceitful plotting. Let me tell you something. It, it, it amazes me how authors will come out with the new mystery that you need to follow. I'm thinking, even Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Now, it might be that we have not came to the revelation of the truth that God has already established. But we have to be careful not to get called up in following some individual. Look, and I love to see every one of you. But I'm just Paul Dyer. I was about to say my address, but I'm online. <laughs> I live in Merville. <laughs> put my clothes on just like everybody else. I fight the enemy every single day. I will fail you at some point because I will not meet your expectation. Don't follow a man. Don't buy stock and barrel in a person because people, every person, every person, say with me every person, every person has a hurt habit or hang up every person is broken in some way every person doesn't get it right all the time we are only as good as we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to lead us every single day amen so therefore we have to be careful not to just be tossed to and fro well, oh I was listening to this preacher he's coming to town I'm gonna go I'm gonna go see that as if it's a show now look I'm not against guys don't get me wrong. I'm really not against the body coming together and being encouraged by a great speaker. I love Tommy Bates. I love Tim Hill. I love all these guys. And man, they're phenomenal. They have a great way of putting together scripture that just seems to roll off their tongue so beautifully. But even the Apostle Paul said, I don't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I come to you in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. 
It's not how well an individual can string words together that should be inspiring. It's if they're willing to follow the move of the Holy Spirit. Are they willing to truly be sensitive to God? And it might just be that they have to sit and let God move and not say a word. But don't be tossed by every little wind of doctrine, every little slick tongue that comes by. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Once again, we see this maturing. We're being equipped to grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Ooh, that sounds good. I'm going to say that again. It just sounds good. Working by which every part, say I'm a part, does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself. It goes on and talks about putting off and putting on. Billy, come here a minute. Billy tried to put off something. (laughs) I know he can handle this. You know, I talked about, it says this right here. It says, together by what every joint supplies. You know, Billy had an accident with a knife and cut the ligaments down his, and flayed his finger. It cut the ligaments and the sidewall, from understanding, of his finger so that He's trying to join the club, but some of y'all see that I'm missing a few things there, too. Um, it, it, his finger could not raise up. It just flops because the ligaments are gone. So the doctor has gone in, and they have reattached the ligaments to the top and tried to repair and glue this together so that, and, and put a pin to the very part all the way to the back. So that he won't move it. Don't move it. In order so that it may once again be able to function properly. Guys. Thank you buddy. When it talks about putting off the old man. We have to put off the bitterness. The criticism. The anger. The hatred. The Bible says be angry. But don't sin. It doesn't. It, it's 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 to a point where we look. We should be angry at what the enemy is doing to people in our church. We should be angry at what people what the enemy is doing to people in the world. The deception that he's causing, the hatred that he is embellishing in people and causing them to to cause contention and strife and hatred. There should be a sense of righteous anger, but in the sense that. It should not be something that's in between us. And if there is any contention between us, then Paul encourages, don't go to bed with that anger in your life. Don't go to bed. Don't don't allow that to continue to fester. Because look, today it's one thing. Tomorrow it keeps on building. It keeps on building and gets worse. Until it develops in hatred and acting out. 
You know, sadly, as is too often, we look at people from the outside appearance. We judge a book by its cover. We automatically look at somebody by their first actions without ever getting to know what's on the inside. Without ever spending the long-suffering side, the long-suffering part. But it says, and I'm closing. It's, the baby's already told me, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. It says, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. The word lying literally means deceit. Don't be deceitful, right? For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. Nor give place to the devil. He's talking about, he not, understand, he's talking to those who have already accepted this gift. He's talking about those who have already allowed God to do a work in them. But then he says, don't give place. The word place can literally mean spot. A dot. Because if you give the enemy a spot, he'll try to draw a picture. And we allow the enemy to have a place when we don't put off the old man. And we don't put on the new. It goes on and says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let them labor working with his hands, with good, what is good. And go, it goes on in verse 9. Let no corrupt word or communication proceed out of your mouth. But what is for necessary, for good, for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The word corrupt have you ever went to your refrigerator and you've pulled out a piece of ham in that package that's been there for five months that, and you pull back the plastic and you pass out? <laughs> Makes you want to a little gag in your mouth. Y'all don't need lunch now. It literally means rotten, like rotten meat. He said, and so in other words, we, we want to put it at, we want to make it worldly. Don't y'all be cussing. Don't y'all be taking them, don't be saying them coarse jokes. But what he's saying is, is when your speech is not edifying the body, it is causing rot, degradation, sickness to be imparted. The Bible tells us that there's power of life and death in the tongue. You have that ability of life and death in your own tongue. We have to reject evil attitudes we, we want revival we've seen revival sweeping across our nation and, and I believe that some of you are personally experiencing that 
We've experienced some of that on Tuesday morning. It's just been a, a refreshing presence and praying in this place. And I believe that God is stirring that. But I believe once when we have corporate revival, it'll be because we push aside every evil attitude. Because it is in the unity. This is what, this is what it said in Proverbs, Psalms 133. That in the unity is where the commanded blessing flows. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Because it's the commanded blessing. So when we get into a mindset that we are doing everything with all endurance and, and in endeavoring to see the unity of the Spirit and building each other up in the unity of the faith, maturing in Christ Jesus, that we long for His presence that everything else doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if the lights are low or high. It doesn't matter if the carpet's green, purple, blue, or whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if the pen is on one side of the stage or the other side of the stage. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is your heart hungry for God. Because in the middle of La Mosquitia, the jungle playing on five-gallon buckets as drums with a jawbone of a horse that had dried up and the teeth were rattling and they were popping that thing as an instrument, the presence of God fell because it doesn't matter the environment. It matters of the heart of the person. Do you want Jesus to move in your life? Quit making excuses about everybody else. Get your life right with Jesus. Amen. And lastly, because if we're speaking with corrupt mouth, the Bible says this. It says, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Next verse. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31. And this, is, this is an altar call right here. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for the altar call? Let all Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor or loud quarreling, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving. That's a big word. Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. I don't know what you're carrying. Some of you are guests today. I don't know what you're carrying. Maybe someone has done you wrong. Maybe you have been hurt. Maybe there's a deep wound that has been caused, and it seems like everywhere you go, for every one of you, everywhere we go, it seems like we identify that wound in other people. And it just keeps festering like an old pimple that builds up with pus. It's going to pop one day. But are we willing to say, God, I'm tired of holding other people accountable for their wrong? I'm tired of, 
I'm tired of holding myself to what I have done in my past. It's a burden that I don't want to carry anymore. Today, I choose to forgive them. Today, I choose to forgive myself. Today, I say, Lord, take the bitterness. Take the hurt. Take the wounds. Today, I want to walk in wholeness and in peace. Lord, today I want the strength only given by you to be able to see every joint supplied, every bone reset, put back in place, every ligament coming back over so that I may be completely whole and healthy in the body of Christ. Maybe that's not something that you want to declare openly in front of everybody. Look, I've been hurt. Been hurt by pastors. Been hurt by members. And I've made enough mistakes that I've probably hurt some people in time. I know that I have to live under that guise of God's forgiveness because if not, it's easy to get bitter. It's easy to, the people that you invest in that seem to, not mis, to seem to misunderstand your investment in them to walk away hurts. We've all been there. But my question is, is are you willing to surrender that today at the altar and say, Lord, I don't want to carry this burden any longer. I don't want to carry this weight any longer. I'm ready to surrender it to Jesus Christ. I'm ready to find myself in health and wholeness in Jesus' name. If that's you this morning, would you come? I'm ready to surrender. Would you come? Can we join together? I'm ready to let go of the past. I'm ready to see health and wholeness taking place in my life. I don't want to jump from one place to the other. I don't want to experience pain with my brothers and sisters. I want to be made whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. If you are one who has been healed of such a hurt or wound, why don't you come up and help me pray with these right now? Come up and love on some of these folks.
thank you that you have done a great work in us. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you. God, let your glory be manifest in your body. Lord, let us walk as sons, the technion, the mature sons of God. Lord, displaying the characteristics of your spirit. Lord, help us to live out in the bonds of peace, unity, striving, 
Lord, to be encouraged and being built up by your presence to build each other up and to build ourselves up. We thank you, Jesus, for your truth and your word. God, we love you and we honor you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I invite you, if you are able, to come tonight. It's on Blockhouse Road. Um, not on the second section, but from this side, going over from Blockhouse Road. It's about 10 minutes from here. It's the old Mountain View Church of God, which is now called Freedom River. Um, there are going to be several churches joined together. It is a unity service. Uh, our team will be a part of the wor uh, leading worship. Um, and I hope that you guys will come out and enjoy fellowshipping together. How many know that we are one body? Come on. Come out and enjoy that. Uh, if, you, if your child is going to Winterfest, or your young person is going to Winterfest, um, if you would um, come and see Billy right after service, he has a quick meeting to give you some paperwork. And so if you will come and see him, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you are missing Wednesday night, we have some really great teachers we're going over what we believe and why we believe. And, um, and we have a great worship time as well uh, with our music being led. It's just a great time of word, of, wor of music, and fellowship. I think all that's a part of worship. And I would love you guys to come out and be a part of that. All right? God bless you guys. Enjoy some fellowship before you run off. And have a blessed evening. Um, we're expecting God to do great things. Amen? Love you guys. God bless you.